Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 115 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform, if I can speak properly. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. It is the Thursday show, which means Steve Cook is joining us. Steve, how are you, my friend? Oh, hey, hey, hey. Well, there you go. Did you hear me? I, uh, <laughs> I did. Did you hear me there? Okay, I'm just making sure you heard me. That's right, I heard you. Okay, completely, good. completely random note to start this podcast on. I was, I was reading the uh, thread on offteam.com we were doing during AEW Dynamite. And uh, somebody brought up the fact that Cole Cabana was in the crowd and he's wearing a uh, Psychopathic Records t-shirt. Proving he's a juggalo and some people were looking down on this. And I point out that... Uh, Colt was a part of some layer JCW shows, and I don't remember if we discussed that or not on this podcast or anywhere else. Are you aware of the work of good uh, Officer Colt Cabana? I have seen some of it, yes. Okay, yes. Was that was that, that one of Colt's best personalities, Officer Colt Cabana, where he was threatening to arrest all the jugglers and fuck him in the ass? It was fun, dude. Colt Cabana doing some good comedy. And here's the other thing. I don't care if you don't like the Insane Clown policy for their views or their music, but the thing is, let me tell you this. Those brothers are good promoters, and you know how I know that, Steve? How do you know that? Terry Funk fucking put them over. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> As good brothers that always paid, paid on time, even paid a little extra at times, paid when they didn't have to, and I have never personally heard anything bad about them in terms of paying out to the boys. So listen, you can hate the jugglers, you can hate the music all you want, you can not like any of their views, but in terms of wrestling promoters, everything I've heard, they are good dudes. I will say the one negative report I've heard about them is wrestling promoters and as uh, people who pay other people. I've heard Dave Prazak on a commentary for IWA Mid-South or something uh, claiming that he owed them, that they owed him $1,000 and yeah, that he wasn't going to get that. Okay, well, fair enough. Apparently, they owe somebody. That's what money. Mr. Prazak said. You know, I don't know. I mean, they probably have a little more respect for Terry Funk than they did, they did for Dave back in the day. Yeah, no. But, you know, there are people out there. I'm just saying. You know, we got percent both sides. Yeah. No offense to Dave Prazak. Sure, he's telling the truth. But I mean, Terry Funk tells me they are good brothers, so I believe Terry Funk. Sure. So, Steve, we have a lot to talk about tonight. There's a lot of news. We're also going to not only review AEW and NXT, but we're going to talk a little NWA superpower as you had time to take it in. Superpower! So, but first up, Steve, we, uh, we have to start off with the news of the week. And we have a lot of stuff going on in the world of wrestling here. First of all, since we are going to be talking NWA, the first thing I want to bring up is from Voices of Wrestling. And that uh, the NWA has been uh, working on some of the contract stuff and, um, you know, re-signing people, trying to re-sign people. Um, apparently, Royce Isaacs and Zicky Dice are staying around. Huh. But unfortunately, Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks could not come to an agreement on a new contract, and he is reportedly gone from the NWA. Oh. I know some people will be heartbroken by that news. Yeah, I um, I think that's a, a definite loss for them because he was really good on those shows. He's a good younger talent. Um, obviously a guy that I think would be a good young pickup for anybody. 
whether it be ROH, Impact, AEW, whoever. It all depends on who's going to be running shows, obviously, going forward. But um, I think Ricky Starks would be a great pickup. And I think that's... um. I don't know if they just weren't offering him enough or he decided to move on to greener pastures already after getting some shine on the NWA show, but um, obviously not good for the NWA not being able to lock him up, I think. I, I seem to recall hearing some speculation, some scuttlebutt, some rumors, if you will, about there were some, uh, there were some arguments between certain members of management over who to push between uh, the stroke daddy and between Ziggy Dice. and uh, I recall that being a point of contention for some people and i i don't remember who was on whose side because i didn't really care that much but i do remember that being uh something that people were talking about and apparently they picked zicky dice they picked zicky dice and uh i also noticed and i don't know if you're gonna mention this in your news round news roundup or not i noticed you know watching superpower last night that there was a triple threat match between some of the ladies tasha Steele's got the win there and sure enough, she pops up later on Impact Wrestling the same very, the very same night. And sure enough, she gets signed by Impact Wrestling on the very same night. That in the radio business is what we call a segue, because that's actually what I was going to next. There yeah, you go. Tasha Steeles, um, you know, Tasha's been around for a while. She's been doing really well. She was doing nicely in the NWA, getting a little bit of TV time there. She had some ROH TV time in 2019, even got a title match on the big Toronto card with Angelina Love. And um, so NWA and ROH both had uh, times to where they could have locked her down if they wanted to or if they made the right offer. And it looks like they did not make the right offer or she didn't want to sign because, yes, she is now signed with Impact Wrestling. And we've been talking about Impact Wrestling, Steve, and the rumors that they're going to be picking up more people, that um, Nevaeh and Kimberly are in to work for a while, but not officially signed, and um, but they're likely to be signed. And now Tasha Steeles is signed, and that adds into the knockouts division. Um, Kylie Ray recently signed, and that, that's who she lost to actually on the show. And uh, Impact making moves with the knockouts division, it looks like. And it looks like the NWA kind of dropped the ball there. They might have put over the wrong person that triple threat match. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it certainly looks that way, especially since later that same night she was announced as signed with Impact. I mean... Yeah, not, not, not a great look. I mean, you see it from time to time where people uh, win matches on major shows and then they disappear. And we'll probably get to another... We'll probably get to somebody later on this in this show who won a big match at WrestleMania and then disappeared. So, yeah, we, we will talk actually. about that maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I think we'll oh, yes, yeah, it, it's yeah. on the list, my brother. <laughs> um, speaking of Impact, uh, yeah, Crazy Steve had come back and worked the uh, day one of the Rebellion show, and he is re-signed with the company now. Crazy Steve was part of the decay with um, Abyss and Rosemary for a while. They were tag team champions. He actually had a really fun first run. He ended up leaving the promotion, though, because he got a WWE tryout. By all accounts, he did really well at his tryout. He was well-liked, but unfortunately, um, essentially was medically disqualified because he has a eye issue. I don't know if he's, like, legally blind, but he has, like, a rather serious eye issue, and um, that's why he wasn't signed by all accounts. But he's back in impact. Well, so he's much like Fast Eddie. You never saw it coming. Oh, Whoa, there's a flashback from back in the day. Crazy Steve, Fast Eddie... It may have been anywhere in the country, I think. Be some good stuff there. That's right. I like Steve now, well enough, though. He's a really solid dude. So I haven't really looked at these announcements. Are they still doing the thing where 
Is Big John Grabuk still with the company? No. Or is he gone? Oh, okay, because no, no. I remember uh, several years ago when they made all these multi-year signings, they would have Big John, Big John Grabuk, or whatever the fuck his name was, posing with these people. Yeah, Big, Big John signing Bram to like 19 multi-year <laughs> deals. <laughs> and posing with him after each one like he's Triple H or like he's whoever invented the whole thing of you know signing people to deals and posing with them. Yeah, I don't know, but... Um, I think Stephanie might have invented that. Possibly. She invented women. We know that. Or so. Nova. Possibly Nova. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Um, also resigning with Impact after her contract expired is Sue Young. So she's sticking around. I saw Sue and Susie also. Uh, yeah, signed. Susie also resigning. Good, good oh, double that? pickup. Good news that's, there. Yeah. That's right. So you brought up earlier, Steve, uh, somebody winning at WrestleMania and they disappeared. Uh, that is one Samuel Zayn. He yes. was the Intercontinental Champion of the Universe. And which, he, uh, which honestly, I had a tough time remembering that. Well, I think a lot of people did. I had a tough time. I've had a tough time remembering who's been the Intercontinental Champion for the past however many years. Let's be honest. Which is it a shame given, when you think about at it. At any given time in the past five years, I would have had to think for about a good solid couple of minutes about it. Okay, who's the Intercontinental Champion? Good Lord. Yeah. You know, it's one of, it's one of those things. So, Sammy worked Mania, he retained the Intercontinental title, and then he's been MIA. His henchmen have been hanging out with King Corbin, and he's been the champion. He hadn't been mentioned really on TV, and they announced this week, I guess it was on WWE Backstage, he's being stripped of the title, and they're going to run a tournament to to crown a new champion. Which leads to a a number of questions. The first I'm going to lead off with is, you know, NXT has been all about this interim cruiserweight championship term and whatnot where we're gonna have a round robin deal we're gonna have these six guys wrestle each other and we're gonna have an interim cruiserweight champion to go against jordan devlin here at some point in in the future so how come you know jordan devlin can keep his title and how come Sami Zayn can't is it because is it because Sami Zayn just doesn't feel like coming back is that what, is that what's going on I don't know. It might be. I think they might be doing that for the fact. Like the thing with Devlin is obviously he can't travel. That's not Even up to they, him. Yeah. Um. And I think the thing is with Sammy is Sammy maybe made a choice and saying I'm not going to work these fucking shows right now. And Vince looked at him. Oh fuck you. As and I'm also kind of wondering because UFC had a show last weekend where. Well, apparently they got huge pay-per-view buys is what they're telling everybody, but the prelim ratings were down, so we're not really sure what's going on there. Uh, a little bit of a mixed bag there. But apparently there was one of those interim title fights, and somebody won the fight, and they're like, oh, fuck it, I don't care about the interim belt. Yeah. And then basically what happened there, somebody's like, I don't care about being an interim champion, I just want to fight the champion. Basically. And then the May Vince saw that, and it's like, well, okay, actually people don't care about these interim championships. Which you can kind of tell from the way they've booked the NXT Interim Cruiserweight Championship the last couple of weeks, where those matches have seen a, a considerable uh, a lack of time. Lately. God damn it, Steve. These guys <laughs> don't need 20 minutes to have five-star fucking matches every week. They serve their purpose. That's all I heard. So I'm thinking maybe it's a little both where somebody realized, okay, nobody cares about interim champions. And also, maybe Sami Zayn isn't really feeling like coming back because I think we all know that Sami has a lot of different interests. And he might be more, I think he's probably more uh, apt to follow those 
than really i don't think that wrestling is his uh, main focus these days and quite frankly I, I don't blame him for that i i really don't either and it's just um it's really odd just what's going on i mean listen again if sammy made the decision that he doesn't want to work the shows i have said before i'm fine with anybody that doesn't want to work these shows I have no problem with it. I, I think people that have given Roman Reigns any amount of bullshit because, quote-unquote, Vince tried to strap the rocket to him and make him the guy, and he slapped him in the face by refusing to work Mania and stay home with his kids. Um, no. Fuck you. Yep. Combination of two things again, and I don't care. Listen, Roman can tell me his doctor says his immune system is fine all he wants. But number one, the dude is still, you know, the whole leukemia thing, right? Yeah. Number two, he just had two kids. And I also don't want to hear this bullshit about people going, well, kids are pretty immune to COVID because they're kids. And, you know, it's really <laughs> only older people. Oh, I'm sorry, uh-huh. fucking random internet commenter. Are you a fucking doctor now? Listen. Uh, there are a lot of doctors on the internet these days. I noticed. The thing yeah. is, Roman Reigns made a decision. He was a top dude. He could have got a lot of blowback, whatever. The fact is, he said, fuck it, I'm staying home. Good for him. Happy for him. Proud of him. Great decision if that's the one he wants to make, you know? And that's the thing. If Sammy made this made the decision for whatever reason, maybe he didn't like how things were going backstage. Maybe there wasn't enough social distancing. Maybe he just said, fuck it, I don't want to catch a disease and die. I don't know, but good for him. Yeah. Tough to say because, I mean, honestly, if you look at, I mean, I'm st- it's kind of surprising that Sammy signed with him in the first place because from everything we know from Sammy Zayn, and what he stands for, and for what the do you stand? The, the, it's two different things, two different sides of the world. Can we, can we say that? I think you're like the you're thing. Right. The things that Sammy stands for, and what he believes in, all that stuff. Uh, nothing, nothing that Vince McMahon would agree with. It, it, it would be very much like we found out David Starr <laughs> signed with WWE next year. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, I mean, Sammy's just a different cat. He's just not really. Uh, and I am probably more similar to Sammy in that particular way. So, I mean, God bless him and more power to him. And, you know, if he's not – if I would not be shocked, honestly. I mean, I don't know how long his contract is. And let's be honest, Sammy zayn has been wrestling for a very long time. He's taken a lot of bumps. He's been through a lot of matches. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, honestly, this is the last we see of the guy in pro wrestling, whether it's WWE or anywhere else. He might be done. I wouldn't be surprised. I won't say you're wrong by any stretch because, I mean, just on top of the style he's worked and the amount of matches, I mean, he just had double shoulder surgery not too long ago. So he's been banged up. So the whole accumulative damage thing, I mean, who knows if he will be back in WWE or ever. But, I mean, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting time. And, I mean, again, I just I don't understand why people are so upset over people opting out of working these shows. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, I'm with you on that. They shouldn't be. If people uh, feel the need to stay home, that's fine. And I'm, I'm not. I'm also not going to really get on people if they want to go down the floor and work on these shoes. I'm not going to really get on them either because no, I'm, that's you know, the they, thing. They is... got. They want to do their job. They want to get their pen money or whatnot. That's that's fine. I'm not really going to fault them for that. Uh, other than you know, just uh, do the right, do the right thing. Uh, you know, keep your proper distance. Don't don't do anything stupid. That's what I would say. I agree. That's the thing. I have no problem with anybody that wants to work right now. I have no problem with anybody that doesn't want to work right now. And what's funny is I've seen some of the people, you know, 
Oh, this AEW shit is ridiculous. Adam Page is screwing him. He was so over before this whole thing, and he's staying home. The Young Bucks are staying home. They should set an example. They're VPs. And any other post I hear about how they're a bunch of assholes that nobody likes. So, (laughs) wait. They're either assholes that nobody likes, or they should be on TV every week. Pick your fucking battle. It's amazing how, I mean, it's like anything else as far as, you know, opinions about various folks go. They kind of have to fit their argument to kind of uh, fit their opinion on that person to begin with. I well, yeah, know, they just have dude. to go against whatever the person's doing is pretty much what they're doing, what they're going with. I guess so, dude. It's just it's really weird. Uh, speaking of people that aren't going to work anymore, it has been confirmed by her on social media that Rachel Ellering was part of the NXT releases last month during the cutback. So. Uh, yeah, she's, she was on the shelf with an injury, I'm guessing. Yeah, she had, uh, I believe it was a torn ACL. She was out for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's um she's done. Um, never really got a chance before she got injured. And, um, yeah. Not a surprise all around. Just no. not, not nothing about that is surprising to me at all. She's not really their style of performer, I don't think. And, uh, you know, Paul's not around anymore either. So there's not really... Any kind of connection? Well, I mean, I get, well, yeah, Chris Hero is Chris. She's one engaged Chris Hero, right? Yeah, and he's gone. So and he's gone too. So there you go. You know, it's you know, put one 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 together, you get two. Sometimes it is what it is. And uh, in somewhat related news, Larry, I assume you watched the Dark Side of the Ring Road Warrior show last night. Actually, I have not yet. I'm watching that after we record, so I can talk about it tomorrow. No, oh, okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> I got a pretty big rating, and uh, and I was. I guess I'm not surprised by, by that because the Road Warriors are still kind of they're still big names, you know. However yep. many years it's been it's still been it's been twenty years, you know, since they were a big deal, but they're still big names in the wrestling business, still considering the best tag teams of all time. And I'm probably the wrong person to ask about, you know, how general people saw the show because I know a lot about the Road Warriors. I've you know you know, I <laughs> I followed their whole career pretty much. I read all about it and whatnot, so I didn't really learn anything, but I'm sure some other people did. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the things I've tried to remind myself when I review Dark Side of the Ring is while I may not learn anything new or be overly fascinated by some of the stuff they talk about, I have to remember that this show isn't made for me. Yeah. This show is made for a general audience, a casual audience, if you want to call it that. So um, I'm going to be really interested to check it out when we are done recording, actually, and take my notes and stuff to talk with Jerome tomorrow night. And, um, yeah, I've um, I've heard mixed bag on the show, so I'll be interesting to, interested to see how I think about it going in because, obviously, I watched a lot of roadies over the years. Um, going back to the NW. God, nothing like a road warrior squash coming out to Iron Man and killing <laughs> dudes in, like, 30 seconds while the music still plays. That's right. Give me a good road warrior squash versus a... Uh, give me that over a 10-minute 50-50 match any day of the week. Yeah. You know? And the and we'll th- talk about, about that a little later on these shows, too. And the funny thing is, you know, people will sit there and give you the, well, the Road Warriors can't be the greatest of all time because they were shitty workers. And listen. <laughs> Bullshit. <it's>, okay, listen. <laughs> yeah, the roadies were not great workers, but these motherfuckers, I guess the best way to put it, Steve, were a force of nature. These sure. dudes looked like stars. They acted like stars. And like I said, you go out there and you run those 30, 90 second squashes where they're just obliterating geeks 
fucking dumping dudes on their head with the doomsday device. Poor Henry Godwin, you know, that bastard broke his neck. But, I mean, just I like, know. they, there was so much I loved about them. And, I mean, they were successes and draws pretty much everywhere outside of the WWF. Yeah. And even then they had kind of a, they, even then they still got a little bit of a run. But, you know, they wouldn't, it wasn't quite the same, of course. But you know, even there, people still recognized them. Yeah. but um, Remember that, uh, well, well, I'll remember that when they came back in 2003 for that random uh, match, I think it was RV, RVD and Kane. Yeah. And for, like, a few minutes, it felt like it was 1985 again. It did, because they were in Chicago, and it was just like, holy shit, like, the pop they yeah. got. They got that Road Warrior pop. Well, you even go back to, to Mania 14 and the Tag Battle Royal. When they come out with Sonny in the new gear, everybody's like, holy shit, it's the Road Warriors. It's the fucking Legion of Doom. And people were still excited. And then they won and they were excited. And, you know, we talked about that show, Steve. And then, like, the next night it was like, eh, eh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love the roadies. Just a lot, of, a lot of fond memories of watching those squashes and... Good time. And best, and, and hopefully Rachel will catch on somewhere else when she gets all healed up and whatnot. And I mean, good lord, I, I Chris here will have no problem getting jobs anywhere across the Indies whenever the Indies start kick up again. And right. I'm sure Rachel can probably find some place too because there's plenty of promotions that can use some talented women wrestlers. Again, I think Rachel is a very good wrestler. She never really had the chance in NXT between not getting the chance initially and then her injury. Um, I think she's very talented. I think she has a lot to offer. Again, if if I'm ROH, if I'm AEW, if I'm Impact, I mean, if you're looking for someone really solid that's not going to have bad matches to help bulk up your division, you could do a lot worse than Rachel. Yeah, I imagine she'll catch on with one of those feds. You would think so. Um, but again, I mean, you know, people always talk about how I always <clears throat> like the argument the indies are picked dry. There's nobody there. And then all of a sudden, new people keep popping up every year. Yeah, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. And again, with these WWE releases, I mean, you're going to have guys that are going to opt to just do kind of the random indie stuff. And then there are guys that are going to be important players for an ROH, for an MLW, for an AEW, for an Impact. Maybe even Japan. It just depends. But I mean, talent is always going to end up going back into the cupboard. It's never bare for one reason or another. And uh, speaking of chances for people to step up, the big news Monday night, Steve. Becky Lynch arrived to the building, and the big news was that she was relinquishing the Raw Women's Championship, and that Asuka, the winner of the Money in the Bank match, had not only won the Money in the Bank match, but instead of a Money in the Bank contract, had actually won the championship, because Becky Lynch was stepping away to become a mother. Yeah, people complain about that aspect where some people are like, well, Asuka didn't really win a championship match or whatever, but no, she won a lane back bank match anyway, so I thought that was legitimate enough to uh, crown her as a Grand Slam champion who has won the Raw Championship, the SmackDown Championship, NXT Championship, and the Women's Tag Team Championship, so uh, big doings for Asuka there, and her celebration was something else too, but of course, with, with Becky, I mean, she hadn't been around much, if at all, since WrestleMania. I, I kind of had the feeling that something was up. I wasn't sure what, but uh, definitely congratulations to her. It's great to 
great to hear that and hope everything turns out well there. And to be honest with you, I wish Seth Rollins felt the same way because he did not look like a happy man on Monday night. Yeah. I don't know if he did not look very happy about the whole situation. As long as I he already looked like he was heating up a bottle at three twenty-five a.m., brother. And let me tell you, I've been there. I was wondering, like, did, did Seth think that they're waiting till marriage? I mean, I wonder what's going. On, you know, I don't know, but um, that I tell you what, that's what that brother's gonna look like at four thirty in the morning when she sends oh, him yeah. on a fucking Keanu run to Publix. Oh boy, yeah, you better get used to it. <laughs> That's for sure. But uh, congratulations to Becky, though, and uh, and hopefully it all works out for her. And people are already speculating when she'll be back. There's no reason. No, we. There's no reason to even try to speculate about that. Whether she wants to come back right away or whether she'll wait a while, it's that's her decision, you know. Well, and that is what that is. I already wrote about this. Uh, I did a big column Tuesday morning on this, and um, the thing is. In terms of her coming back, I don't even know why people are thinking of it right now. Because, number one, she has to have the baby. And then number two, who's going to say, Steve, that she wants to come back? Maybe, maybe she's going to love being a mom. Maybe she's going to decide she doesn't want a nanny raising her fucking kid while her and Seth are on the road when things get back to normal. Maybe... Maybe Becky will just say, fuck it, and I don't want to get back into shape and go on that grind ever again. You don't know. Nobody knows. So I'm not even worried about talking about a potential comeback. I mean, you have to, first of all, she's not going to have the baby till December. I wouldn't even think she'd think about coming back until over a year after that at the next Rumble. That would be the absolute soonest. But I don't even want to speculate because nobody knows. The thing that upset me about this was we get into the dirt worst of wrestling fans again, where people sat there and bitched that quote unquote, I read this. This is not me, by the way, people quote unquote, (laughs) that bitch got knocked up and then didn't put anybody over on the way out. I didn't mind Shayna cutting a promo that kind of uh, went along those lines. I, th- okay. I, I enjoyed Shayna is a character on a TV show yeah, that's exactly. a heel that hates that's Becky fine. Lynch. And I like Shayna pointing out that the kid will probably suck because it's Seth's kid. So I, I laughed I thought, at that. I enjoyed that. That was good stuff. <laughs> okay, but again, this is Shayna Baszler, the character saying that. Yeah. The, but I'm talking about random assholes on the internet to think like they should have control over somebody's life because Becky didn't put someone over on a wrestling angle. Well, you know, people like to have control over women's bodies. We all know that. We know about that. Yeah. So, and you know what the funny thing is, uh, I guess in closing on the Becky thing, unless you have anything else after this is you had money in the bank on Sunday and yeah. money in the bank was not a bad show at all. Steve It was actually an it's entertaining fine. show. And, you had these this grand money in the bank double cinematic match, right? Yeah. And it was talked about for about 24 hours. And then it was gone when Becky makes this announcement. And I think that it's just a um a lesson to be learned that when you have a I guess a relatable and basic human interest story versus inorganic, poorly put together stories and with a Z shit on TV, that real shit is always going to resonate more. Yep. Nine times out of ten, absolutely. No doubt about that. So, 
But that, that's the Becky news. And again, as a fan of somebody, I've been a fan of Becky for a very long time. I know Steve will remember back when I did the uh, Your News, My Views, uh, young Rebecca Knox was always featured in my column. She was about 12 years old at that point. Larry's all hey, about that's, you know, don't get me in any trouble. Not judging. Not judging. <laughs> but um, no, I've been a Becky fan for a long time. I talked about that in the column I wrote Tuesday, and um, we just want to thank anybody that read for the feedback. I got a lot of really fun feedback on that, and that was that was a fun one to write. And I am, I'm just really happy for her, man. It's um, the other thing too is you know, I, like I told people in the column, you have to remember it's like, well, I, I I like the uh, well, why couldn't she wait? <laughs> well, first of all. You don't know if they were planning. It might have been an accident. Second of all, she's 33. It's harder to have children when you're older. The the, um, degree of difficulty for the pregnancy and the birth and possible um, issues for the child are all raised dramatically. And I mentioned in that column again, Steve, you go back and watch the Trish Stratish WWE 24 documentary, which is really good. She talks about the difficulty she had getting pregnant after she finally retired. Because of the tool, the physical tool on her body. And a lot of athletes have that problem. So basically, I guess in closing, anybody that has a problem with Becky getting pregnant can go get fucked. Yeah, pretty much. And I can just, I, I, you know, I hate to be that guy and point out again where they do had a chance to put somebody else over and didn't. They could have had Becky lose WrestleMania. They could have. And I was shocked when she didn't. They didn't. So there you go. So, I mean, honestly, you want to blame anybody, blame fucking WWE for not putting the strap on Shane at Mania when they had told the perfect story to do it. Yeah, they just keep these belts on people for too long. It is what it is. What it is. That's the, I mean, if people want to complain about the lack of putting somebody else over, they had the chance to do that and they didn't take it. So. But Steve, Becky, Becky's fault. Becky controls the booking, apparently. Well, I, I wish she did. She might have a better idea of it than some folks. <laughs> so, moving on to other WWE-related news, Steve. Um, Sting is no longer under a WWE contract. Sting was under a WWE contract, apparently. Yeah, he was still under a contract. Uh, they could not work out a merchandising deal for the future. And um, this was slowly kind of leaked out because one of his action figure things that were supposed to come out was pulled in yeah. a upcoming line. And now there's a lot of speculation that uh Sting could return to Impact or show up in AEW. He tweeted a couple AEW people like Lance Archer and Jake Roberts and the speculation is running wild, Steve. Steve, do you think Sting shows up in Impact or AEW? Number 1, do you think he shows up? Number 2, do you want him to show up in either one of those? Mm, I mean, do we know how serious his injury was that caused the retirement and whatnot do we know that 100 percent for sure that he's done well he okay he has a neck injury wwe would not clear him yeah but what does that mean i your guess is as good as mine i mean think <laughs> about it they didn't clear daniel bryan for how long and then when it got convenient they did yeah just, just throwing that out there but sure and let's be honest i I would not not be surprised at all because, you know, AEW being on TNT, when you think TNT, when you think, you know, Turner, when you think TBS and all that, you kind of think of Sting, right? I think that's fair. Sting was the main star on that channel for a very long time, one of them. And so, obviously, Sting showing up in AEW would make perfect sense. And the thing with him is, is, I mean, 
maybe if you can get a match out of him, that's great. But I wouldn't even so much want him to wrestle. I mean, I think that he could go into an impact or an AEW and be kind of like a an outside, I guess for lack of a better comparison, Sheriff Austin type figure. The conscience of a promotion. Not an authority figure, but someone that sets things right. You can point the bat at the inner circle. You know, like, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. They get a big pop. And then the best part is when he aligns with Cody and the Elite, they can turn on him three weeks later because it stinks. <laughs> well, I mean, doesn't it kind of feel like the Cody is kind of uh, lining himself up to be the sting of AEW anyway, where everybody's going to turn against him? It kind of feels that way. So, like, Cody is, I mean, we, we know Cody is Dusty's son, but it seems like he's following in the footsteps of Sting quite a bit as well. I think that's fair, man. Because <laughs> we've, we've seen something teased, things teased even in the future here, where people are wondering, uh, maybe maybe Arnold will turn against him, maybe Dustin will turn against him, maybe uh, Pineapple Pete and uh, the Nightmare Family folks turn against him, you never know. You shut your whore mouth about Pineapple Pete, he is a scholar and a gentleman. Well, Pineapple Pete is dead. He, he might not be dead, but he got knocked the fuck out. I know that, but we'll talk about that later. But Steve, honestly, say by the end of the year, do you see him turning up in another promotion? Well, it's tough. It's always it's tough to say what's going to happen next week, Larry. Let's be honest. I know it is. I'm in just... this environment, come on, man. You asked me to tell me if, to tell you if Sting will show up by the end of this year. Who knows? But. If things return to, so to a semblance of normal, and maybe we have a big AW event towards the end of the year, maybe Sting pops up there. I'm not sure if Impact has that kind of scratch right now. Beyond, I don't know what kind of scratch Impact has at this point. Beyond, I don't know if they have that Sting type of money. I don't and know. Tony I mean, I, I, keep, I keep hearing that Anthem and the people that own Anthem are fucking rich, so Impact can do anything they want. That's well, what I'm maybe. told. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, possible he does have a certain loyalty to that permission does that loyalty to that permission still hold with because uh, I know he's very loyal to Jeff Jarrett for many years uh, with Jeff not there anymore does Ooh. that make a difference that's a good point and I think there might be a more and there may might be more loyalty to Turner I know Turner once the if there's some old heads still there from back in the day they probably uh, hear the name sting and they get a little excited all right, man. Um, you know how those network executives love Sting? That's how Impact got all his TV deals back in the day because they heard the name Sting. Well, that, that's how also they kept Sting because Spike TV kept paying for him. That's right. So, yeah, um, it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think Sting could still have a place. I do think that um, it's a shame WWE couldn't lock him down to anything because I really think that we still had a chance at that Sting Taker match in like a cinematic setting because. I think that they could have got a match that way because it wouldn't have been a regular wrestling match. Well, they they could have. There's a lot of things they could uh, did with Sting they chose not to do, and instead they decided to have him put up put over Triple H and get killed by Steph Rollins. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things they could did with Sting that they chose not to do. You mean the big Attitude Era wank fest at WrestleMania? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that kind of, that sort of thing. So, Steve, we're going to jump over to New Japan real quick. And um, New Japan President Harold Meng um, gave a detailed statement on what the company's kind of planning in the future in the um, COVID-19 era. He um, stated that they hadn't been running shows right now because they wanted to protect the health and safety of the wrestlers and staff. Number two, the venues had not been available to them anyway. 
and they felt a overall social responsibility not to run shows right now. He did talk about their first steps to possibly resuming shows and that they would be to hold empty arena events. Um, he said that um, they would not happen until Japan lifts the countrywide state of emergency and um, that the number of infections decline. So it doesn't sound like it's happening really soon. But uh, that's when the matches would take place. And uh, he said uh, matches would be taped for um, these shows in both um, Japan as well as the New Japan LA Dojo. And then once they do a slate of empty arena shows with added measures, their hope is that things calm down so they could slowly start letting fans back in. So that is kind of their st- stance right now. And he basically said that um, New Japan... Um, will not be defeated by the disease, and he is just hoping that wrestling fans can come together and overcome the challenge, Steve. So what are you thinking about New Japan's stance overall on this? It's a perfectly logical stance. I don't know what else you want me to say about it. I mean, what, what else can they say? Can they, uh, what else are they going to say? Like, oh, we're going to go in Tokyo Dome tomorrow. We're going to bring in 6,000 people. What else are they going to say? They can't, they can't run regular shows right now. They know that. So all they can do right now is give people hope for a future, and why wouldn't they do it that way? I see no. I I don't know what else could they could say right now. Yeah, I think New Japan has done a great job dealing with this. Uh, I appreciate that they've been really open with the fan base about it, and I think they've been doing a good job of uploading content to New Japan World in terms of um, they've been uploading like a lot of classic matches with Kevin Kelly adding English commentary to them for the first time. They've been like they've uploaded the New Japan USA shows, which hadn't been uploaded before. Stuff like that. They're just they're trying to put content out without running shows, and I, I think that's admirable. And I think that they're doing a good job of it. So I think they have a nice plan in place, and we'll see how it works out. Indeed. To close up the news roundup, Steve, you're to be shocked by this, but. Alberto Del Rio, El Patron Von Douchebag, Shithead III is back in the news. Why? Well, Steve, Alberto was arrested over the weekend and faces charges of domestic violence and aggravated sexual assault. Um, at one point, he basically, he, um, he held a woman hostage, uh, told her that he would take her son and drop him off in the middle of the road somewhere. And the victim stated that, um, basically, Del Rio accused her of cheating on him. Del Rio broke her cell phone and laptop, tried to burn her passport, um, and the attack started around 10 10 p.m. that night, ended at 2.30 a.m. Del Rio hit her and left her feeling dizzy and woozy. She added that Del Rio stuffed a sock in her mouth during the assault so she couldn't breathe, sexually assaulted her for hours, um, including apparently using various body parts along with the penis, and told uh, police that she did not consent to any of it. So there were multiple bruises all over her face, arms, and legs. And um, basically, the woman says Del Rio became very angry when she wouldn't admit to being unfaithful. He hit her. He took her to his bedroom, slapped her around, and um, just a fucking horrible horrible situation and this dude has been in the fucking news for being a shithead many times before lots of allegations on shit he did the page but nothing concrete 
lots of things about him just being a horrible dude, but this is an entirely different level, Steve. Yeah, he's still he's not in jail or anything like that. Is he in jail? Uh, I last report I saw he was in jail, and I, there was like a fifty thousand dollar bond on him. I don't know, he might be out by now. Well, let's hope he stays in jail, because <laughs> while you're reading all that stuff, I'm also reading about how Jeff Bezos can be the first trillionaire, while you know Amazon workers are suffering and getting fired and whatnot. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, corporate greed's terrible, and Alberto El Patron is terrible, and just everybody involved uh, in doing things right now is pretty terrible. I just, I, I hope they put this dude away. I hope he's found guilty, he goes away for a long time, and I don't have to deal with him ever again. It would be nice. He's, he's it's, it's amazing, because you go back several years, and this was a guy who had a lot of potential uh, to be something in professional wrestling business. And he's wound up being something, but uh, not anything good. Steve, back in the day when we did the Blog Talk podcast, we did a podcast shortly after he debuted. And the running gag on that show was the WWE.com article that was unedited. And it had something, like a blurb in there from one of the editors that said, make this look good, this guy's the next big thing. And he was supposed to be the next big thing for WWE and didn't work out. No, it didn't. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to close this. I don't know what to say about it, to be honest with you. I don't know how else to close this other than to say Alberto Del Rio is a giant piece of shit. Yeah, that's all needs to be said. So, let's talk about happier times, Steve. Let's talk about some wrestling. Professional wrestling. And, Steve, you got to watch the NWA Superpower Show on Tuesday night. Yeah. As did I, obviously. And... Excuse me. This was the season three finale, which was the quote unquote lost episode called Superpower. It was going going to excuse me air in April as build up for the Crockett Cup, but shit hit the fan with the whole COVID nineteen thing. It was postponed, and they decided to eventually run it here so everybody could see it. Well, yeah, they were building up the big uh, Crockett Cup show, which we obviously know has not happened as of yet. We don't know whether it will happen or not. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I was looking forward to that because I like the tag tournament. You had uh, Marty and Aldis facing off on that show. Well, and one of those guys tried to break the Crockett Cup on this show too. Horrible. Yeah. Chicanery. Tragedy. So, Steve, we opened up with uh, Dave Marquez interviewing Villain Enterprises. They were talking about being here in the NWA. They were hyping up the Crockett Cup and the um, the match coming up with Aldis. Fine little interview, I thought, to open the show. It was fine. Brody King actually talked a little bit. I know. That was nice to see Brody talk. I hadn't seen much of that. So, and then uh, this was actually presented a few weeks ago as a standalone short episode. We got the Camille debut match against Maddie Max, followed by the like five-minute-long in-depth Camille video package. And Steve and I had talked about this previously. It's a it's a squash match where Camille looks good, and then the video package was really interested and dug deeper into the Camille persona and um, things we did not know about her. Some bad news for the NWA Women's Division. Yep, she, she's she's here to end everybody. Yeah. Probably will. Good chance of it, Steve. We got uh-huh. the Rock and Roll Express. Battling Shooter Stevens and the question mark, Steve. Yeah, um, the nine-time NWA Tag Team Champions 
taking on the shooter and the question mark. And uh, there, I know the Rock and Roll Express were looking to get some momentum head into that Crockett Cup. And they got a little bit of some momentum going on there. That's right. We also had a, an appearance, Steve, by Question Mark Jr., who... Question Mark Jr. He, he was not, not much like of a junior. junior. No, he did not. He was... Uh, I believe they pretty much out him as one of the bouncers. Yeah. They, they pretty much said it's Brian Malone is because he's gigantic. Yeah. But Good he was job. a he was a large Mongrovian lad and... Like K-Fabe guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he, um... He came on for the distraction, and then he tried to leave, and he got blown up and fell down. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't really work too well. So that a apparently, cardi- cardio is not um, key in Mongrovia. No, not at all. And um, we also had um, Trevor Murdoch at ringside, and we got the big distraction at the end, and Ricky Morton cradled Shooter Stevens for the win. So the Rock and Roll Express won, Steve. What did you think of this entire segment? It was fine. I'm just going to assume that the Rock and Roll Express have won the Crockett Cup. Okay. They haven't done yet, so why not? You know, there, would that be the last thing they have to, let, you have to accomplish, be win the Crockett Cup? And I think that probably would happen this year for them. Which, you know, is a shame for Ricky and Robert, too, because once we finally head back into pro wrestling and things like that, we're talking about how the older folks might have a tougher time coming back. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so that might be a problem for Ricky and Robert going forward. Are they going to be able to make these trips? Which is a shame uh, because they were having some fun matches working around places and um, they worked the last New Japan US shows and there was even a rumor that they were going to be brought over to work the fucking tag league at the end of the year. Yeah, why not? So, I mean, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate for them. I thought the match was okay. I thought the overall angle was fine to give the Rock and Rolls a win and they continued to build to the Trevor Murdoch, um, Shooter Stevens, um, third-degree national championship match. Yes, yes. And uh, the long-awaited debut of Question Mark Jr., That's which right. makes me wonder when we'll see uh, El Hio del Question Mark. If only. They could face off with Los Parks one day. Absolutely. But, I mean, we all know they will never have a cooking show on the level of Los Parks. Well, let's hope not. I mean, I think Question Mark Jr. has been eating some of this that Los Parks food. Yeah, he's been watching closely. Apparently. So we had a big interview segment with Melina, Allison Kay, and Thunder Rosa. Basically, Melina and Allison Kay were bitching about how they wanted a title shot. Thunder Rosa basically didn't give a shit because she beat everybody, but said she would take them both on, and this was setting up a triple threat for them at the Crockett Cup, Steve. Yeah. My feelings yeah, on that fine. was, um, you know, two out of three aren't bad. Two out of three aren't bad. <laughs> Because Thunder Rosa and Allison K did some really nice work together, and yeah. Melina's still pretty. Allison K was doing some nice work, too, in that dress. That's all I'm saying about there that. There you go. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, Melina's pretty, and the other two are very good. Yes. So, yeah, for, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Next up was our no disqualification match, Steve. Wholesome babyface Tim Storm facing off with former NWA champion as well, Jack Stain. Uh, yeah, there was some bad blood from back in the day where Tim Storm uh, won the title from Jack Stane uh, several years ago, it seems like. And uh, there was some bad blood between uh, Tim Storm and Danny Deals. Who, apparently Danny Deals was the man behind this whole Mama Storm gimmick where he was dressing up like Tim Storm's mama and trying to you know, get a rise out of Tim Storm. And it wound up that he got enough of a rise where if Tim Storm won this match, he would get five minutes with Danny Deals. 
And you won't believe what happened. Tim Storm won the match, and he got uh, to kick Dan Deal's ass. The guy had coming. Let's be honest. He did. I, I thought they had a pretty good match. I thought you know going in they had a nice little backstory to it, and then uh, Tim Storm gets to beat the shit out of Danny Deals with a couple of perfect storms. And um, I also like how Jack Stane just blew Danny Deals off right after the match too. Like, yeah. He didn't stick around for it. He wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna be one of those gimmicks where you know the the bad guy still gets bailed out by the, the big heel. No, Jack Stane just walked. I was like, no, I'm I'm done. <laughs> You go get your ass kicked. It was good. Yeah, I did like that. But, um, yeah, it was enjoyable. You know, the baby face overcomes. You know, Tim Storm is great. Love him. So that was fun. I I tell you what, though. I think Tim Storm, I know it's wrestling in 2020, but do you think Tim Storm was, like, kind of baffled when he hit Perfect Storm and then the crowd chanted one more time? Because he's such an old school dude. He's probably like, what? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sure. Exactly. Well, you got you to gotta give the people what they want. So, I don't know about you, Steve, but the next thing on this show was the worst thing on these recent shows this year. This fucking May Valentine videos. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I do not, uh, not a big fan of all that stuff. I guess they're still working the triangle with her and with Sabrinara with the broken arm involved. And yeah, just a lot of stuff. She's a social media influencer, I guess. And uh, did she have more plastic surgery done during this whole this whole angle? I don't know. I didn't want to be rude and say anything, but I I mean, at least like some Botox. More, yeah, it seemed like her face is more blown up than I had re- recalled. Well, the worst part about it is, is like somebody told me she's actually like an actress, <laughs> and you wouldn't have known by this. Yeah, well, because she's basically doing this video about how everything's bad. And I even lost a hundred followers and blah, blah, blah. And she's like trying to cry. And again, I well, don't know she, if she had anything done and the, the Botox stopped it, it. But yeah, it's like, but it was like. There's some, there's some Gargano family level acting oh, right there. Oh, it, was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the Gargano family dinner again later. But <laughs> thankfully things got better. We had a triple threat with the ladies. Tasha Steeles, Marty Bell, and Ashley Vox. Uh, these women have been around for the NWA better part of this year, been doing some nice work. At the end of the day, Steve, Tasha Steeles picks up the big win, leaving the territory. Yeah, it was it was okay. I mean, it was, it, I mean, they're it's kind of the lower rung of the NWA women's division. To be honest with you, they they went out there, they tried. It wasn't a bad match by any means, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of there. And of course, you wind up putting up the person, putting up a person that, that's leaving. So I don't think that really helps them to be out there. But uh, you know, it's it's a good way to kill a couple of minutes, I guess. Yeah, it was a short and solid little match. I didn't hate it. It was better than some of the other stuff on this show, especially that May Valentine video package. Then we got a big video recap of the Pope and Eddie Kingston feud, which led to James Storm, Eli Drake, and the good man Eddie Kingston arriving. And Steve, we've talked about this several times. Anytime you give Eddie Kingston a microphone, I have time. It was it was great, and uh, it didn't really lead to anything on this particular show, but it was Eddie Kingston talking for a while, which was great. And James Storm talked for a while, and that was great. And Eli Drake talked for a while, and had the people he wanted to let the people hear him, and it was all great talking. I enjoyed it. I, I I did. I mean, first of all, James Storm and Eddie Kingston cut some fired up fucking baby face promos here. They were really really good. The best part is Eli Drake gets up, and it's his turn finally. He goes, 
and let me talk to you. And the crowd gives him the yeah, and he goes, let me uh, talk to you. And Joe Galley is like, yeah, and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking no, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was um, it I really enjoyed this again because Eddie Kingston is great when you give him a microphone. James Storm can be really great when you give him a microphone. Eli Drake is a ton of fun when you give him a microphone. Give these guys five minutes to talk, Steve. Yeah, yeah it felt like it was more hype oriented for Crockett Cup and to keep the Eddie Kingston Pope thing going. Which God knows when we're getting either one of those, but again, this, this is the lost episode. So, but as a standalone segment, oh, probably my favorite thing on the show, to be honest with you. And even if the even if they weren't really even talking about anything in particular, you let these three guys talk, and then it doesn't even have to be about anything important. It's, it's just good. It's a good time. Yeah, but I think that was my favorite thing on the show, Steve. I really enjoyed that. It's right up there. Good, a good little, good little trio there. And you know, I mean, the Kingston and Storm have some history from TNA and whatnot. And I mean, Kingston and Drake do as well. So they all, they all know each other, and they all know their fighters, and whatnot. So it's, it's good stuff. Yep, I enjoyed it. I did like the. We like going out and having a good time and making sure you folks are entertained. But even more than that, we like kicking some people's asses. Right. <laughs> Which is the important thing. So, main event of the evening was Nick Aldis and his buddy, old good old Bram, speaking to him, Tom Latimer, facing off yeah. with Marty Skrull and Brody King. This was going to be kind of the go-home angle match for the Crockett Cup match between Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull. They got a little under 10 minutes. Royce Isaacs gets fucking involved. The match is good. I enjoyed it. And at the end of the day, Nick Aldis ends up uh, getting the win. And um, after a low blow to, Bro- to Brody King, he gets the big elbow drop. I thought it was kind of a just like a good, fun, Southern-style tag. Nice pace to it. And it was a good little closing angle for that out of scroll thing because they had some interaction, but not a lot. Neither of them took the loss. So it kind of worked on all those levels. Yeah. And I got to tell you, though, Larry, I'm not sure Brody King has a lot more room for tattoos. No, my, my my man's running out unless he starts going to the face like Mike Tyson. That brother's inked up pretty good, you know. It's kind of crazy. I was looking, I was kind of looking around. Okay, where can you get? Yeah, unless uh, yeah, if he goes to the Mike Tyson route, which we'll talk about Mike a little bit later on the show. But that's right. Yeah, I my, mean, my, the, my. the the only thing I'm speculating on Steve is he wears boots, so we don't know what's going on on the feet. He mm, wears knee pads. Go. We don't know if the knees are tatted up Pete Dunn style. Okay. And obviously, I've never seen Brady King naked. He wears trunks. We don't know what's going on there either, but yes, he's we'll have to ask somebody else about that. My man is running out of real estate quick. That he is, but a nice little showing for him here in the and with Marty Squirrel and uh, good build up to that eventual. I assume we will see an eventual match. Because I'm sure Alice and Squirrel will have a match here at some point in time, and uh, that'll be interesting. Interesting to see. I hope so, because I was really looking forward to that one. I mean, oh, they'll work somewhere. We, oh, we, yeah. we don't know if it'll be in NWA or if it'll be in Ring of Honor or. It'll be in one of those promotions on some show. So, Billy Corgan closed the show, um, says that the NWA has been doing well. They have a great roster and team. Um, they're not going to fold right now, but they cannot produce the product they want to. So, they're going to, excuse me, they're going to debut a new series next week called Carnyland. And he did not in, um, elaborate on what it would be. He just said it was something they had been thinking about to work on. And so, that's, we're going to get some kind of new NWA show starting next week. It'd be 60 minutes with Austin Idol and Tony Falk. I mean, it very well could be. You could put, I mean, I don't know. You could have Austin Idol talking to like Eddie Kingston. And when that, that'd that be a clash of personalities. I'm afraid Eddie Kingston might get upset and like fucking kill Austin Idol though. 
Yeah, that wouldn't be good. We don't, we don't want that for Universal Heartthrob. That'd be a bad time. That would be a bad thing. But that's uh, NWA Superpower, Steve. Overall, what did you think of the show? It'll be the last uh, regular NWA show we see for quite some time. I thought it was a nice way to end that particular season. Uh, that particular season of action right there. Some good build-up head into their eventual show, which I think we will see a Crockett Cup tournament in some form or fashion at some point in time. Uh, I don't think Billy's got ready to give up on this just yet. So we will see this uh, play out at some point in time. And yeah, it was, it was nice to see everybody kind of doing their thing again because we hadn't seen uh, a regular end of the episode for quite some time. I agree. I thought it was a really fun, really solid show. I thought... Like, while it wasn't ever really great in the ring, there was some good stuff, but I thought just the overall production and how they put the show together flowed really nicely, and it would have been a nice go-home effort for the Crockett Cup. And I just, um, it just sucks that we're not going to get any NWA for a while, we're not going to get the Crockett Cup until God knows when, we're not going to get Aldis versus Skrull until, you know, who knows. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll be back in some fashion, I'm just, uh, it was just kind of sad at the end watching that, realizing it's like, it's not going to be around and we're still not getting that show, you know? Yeah. So we just have to wait and see as far as that, all that goes. That's right. So, Steve, since it is Thursday, we have to talk about AEW Dynamite and NXT. We will start with AEW Dynamite. It is May 13th. Jim Ross, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone on the call. We start off with Lance Archer arriving Killing some poor son of a bitch on his way out. I didn't know who the hell that was, but they, they got killed, that's for sure. I don't know who it was, and I don't know if that dude knows who he is anymore. No, probably not. It was a, it was a bad time for him, and uh, you had Jake the Snake talking all kind of smack, too. That's right. Jake arrived with him and was said he was asked to apologize for his actions last week. <laughs> and he said that he would as soon as Brandy kissed his ass. Said yeah. the ring is their playhouse. Could be waiting for a while on that one. Probably, but the ring is their playhouse. They write the book, and um, basically, as far as everything's concerned, as far as he's concerned, a woman is great at home, cooking, taking care of babies, and occasionally keeping a, a man warm. <laughs> this led to Cody arriving in his uh, his truck, as um, basically Jake was talking about that Cody couldn't hide anymore, and Cody wasn't hiding. So he was all taped up and ready for battle, which led to him and Lance having a good little brawl, beating the shit out of each other. And at the end, Jake called him off because it wasn't time for the big fight that's at the pay-per-view. I got to tell you, though, Larry, is a little bit disappointed because I saw on the Twitter where Cody was kind of hyping. the He had the little picture of the vehicle uh, person on his Twitter account. And I was hoping they were going to go full old school because, quite frankly, uh, based off what uh, Jake Roberts did last week, he deserved to be run over by a truck. At the very least, a golf cart like Sammy Guevara. Oh, that's right. Somebody should make him with a vehicle of red nonsense. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Cody just hit a couple of garbage cans or whatever. <laughs> I don't know why Cody had hit, hit a barricade against the building either. I mean, I, that was a little, a little iffy on that uh, particular uh, thing. But the, uh, the uh, fight was perfectly fine. I enjoyed that. So uh, more build for the TNT championship match, which... Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about how secondary title has been devalued over the years, but uh, they're trying to get this one off to as good a start as possible. They've worked very hard on it. I thought they booked a strong tournament. You have stars in the final, and they're making it a centerpiece of the show, which is also important. And there's also an announcement we'll talk about later regarding that uh, title match, Steve. 
Yeah. So we started off in ring action wise with the best friends versus Jurassic Express, which was Luchasaurus and the Jungle Boy. Marco Stunt and Orange Cassidy were at ringside. So, Steve, these gentlemen had a good professional wrestling match. It's a lot of fun. Orange Cassidy is on the entrance ramp. And my man Orange Cassidy looks like he's getting ready to do battle. He's getting ready to charge the ring. He's going to try, Steve. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, Ray Phoenix fucking flew out of the heavens and kicked his goddamn face off. Well, you know, it's probably for the best, let's be honest, because he just got his team disqualified. This is true, but he, um, Orange Cassidy was kind of dead. Yeah, yeah, it happens. That led, the whole, we have the melee, the ref is distracted, MJF takes out Jungle Boy on the floor, leading to Chuck E.T. hitting the awful waffle, defeating the Jungle Boy. So again, I thought this was good and fun opening tag. It added build to MJF and the Jungle Boy, it kept the best friends rolling, and it added some build to that casino uh, ladder match at the pay-per-view. And even afterwards, there was an angle where Wardlow beat the shit out of Marco Stunt. And we, well, may, yeah. we may even get a Luchasaurus versus Wardlow match at some point. Well, Marco Stunt had it coming. I don't know what Marco Stunt did to Wardlow, but he probably did something bad. He must have looked at him. He must have done something because I'm sure Wardlow would not have attacked that man unless he had a good reason. The Wardlow is a good gentleman. I don't think he would attack anybody either, Steve. So yeah, That's right. But, uh, you know, big win for the best friends. And they've been built up as the top, uh, as one of the top tag team contenders. And now they beat the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. That just kind of builds them up even more for that eventual tag team title shot uh, at some point in time. That's right. So we now had our four-way women's match, kind of the unofficial number one contenders match. Hikarashita, Penelope Ford, Dr. Britt Baker, and Chris Statlander went ten and a half minutes. Hikarashita, Steve, picks up the big win, and um, she pins Ford while on the floor, Dr. Britt Baker is lockjawing Chris Statlander and trying to rip her mouth out. Just doing some good dentist work down yeah. on the floor. I mean, yeah. she's she's dedicated to her craft. Um, that she is. I thought the match was good, though. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a nice layout to it. We got the right winner. And I also thought that not only did you protect Britt Baker because she didn't take the loss here, but the other thing is, as we found out later, you set up another match for the pay-per-view. Yeah, that, that you did. But uh, I got to tell you that, Larry, because I caught the AW Dark show the night before when Britt Baker had a match in that show as well. And uh, she, took the, uh, she took the glove from the referee to apply her finishing move. And I don't know if you've ever... You've worn those gloves before, right? Yeah. When you take them off, oh, those things are gross as all get out. Yeah, a little bit. So I can't imagine if they're swapping gloves. That, that could have been good. Oh, could have been brutal. But in any event, at least at least she had something on her hand while she was applying this hold. And uh, I saw Mick Foley on Twitter is very impressed as well and uh, put over Britt Baker as the best uh, dentist in wrestling history. Best wrestling dentist and the Bret Hart of wrestling dentists. That's right. I don't know what uh, I don't know what Doctor Yankum is going to say about that. Well, he he's busy working another job these days. I heard. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, good, good showing and. Uh, yeah, Dr. Dr. Baker just doing the Lord's work, and I'm sure Chris will uh, appreciate that at some point. Although I don't know about, I don't know how much uh, dental work aliens have done anyway. 
I was going to say, she should be thankful for because God only knows if she has an actual dental, dental plan being from not of this world. Yeah, that's that's tough to say, but uh, good times. Britt Baker doing a little uh, pro bono work there, you know. Yeah. So we got a what I thought was a really good little promo package from Pineapple Pete on his match and feud with Jericho. And then it was announced that Hikaru Shida will face Nyla Rose at Double or Nothing for the Women's Championship. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate news for Hikaru Shida. Unless she fucking breaks uh, Nyla Rose's face like she did to Britt Baker. Well, possibly, but uh, I, I did see where uh, Hikaru Shida did eventually find her missing kendo stick. Yes, we will talk about that. Next up, Steve, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega tagging again, facing off with Santana and Ortiz, continuing the beef with the inner circle. They got a lot of time. They got 18 minutes. And at the end of the day, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega did pick up the win, despite the fact that Sammy Guevara tried to help out, limping down to the ring wearing a neck brace. He yeah, got... I think I think sending Sammy after a run-in was the uh, downfall for Yair Shirk on this one. I wouldn't quite call it a run-in. It was kind of a limp-in. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, So Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega win the match, Steve. What did you think? Uh, you know, it was a perfectly fine uh, tag team crazy wrestling match. And like I said, I think that run-in by, uh, by Sammy uh, could have been avoided. I think if Yair Shirk was smarter, they would have had uh, Jack, uh, Jake Hager run-in. He looked perfectly fine and healthy. Well, he would have been moving faster, that's for sure. I can understand Jericho trying to, you know, hold off because he had that big match coming up later in the show. But, uh, yeah, I think they kind of uh, outsmart themselves in that particular deal there. But, uh, you know, Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy have a big, have a big deal going, so you got to keep them going, I guess. That's right. So we have Taz trying to interview Darby Allen again. He starts out by apologizing for what he said last week. But then he still brings up how Darby Allen lost a match to Cody, kind of breaking it down and explaining to him. And Darby just basically is like, I know what the fuck happened. I know what that move is. I was an amateur wrestler. I was third in my state. And then he basically just leaves and tells Taz to fuck off. Yeah, I, I still think Darby should probably uh, take some advice from that guy. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But Kids these days, they just have problems listening to people. So, Steve, for the pay-per-view, the casino uh, ladder match, it is confirmed right now that Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Phoenix, and Orange Cassidy are all competing. That's for the nine men that will compete. It's going to be a match where two men start. Every 90 seconds, someone else um, joins in. The goal will be to grab the giant casino chip on top, um, since there's no belt because it's for a number one contender shot. That will determine the winner and um, the top contender for the AW World Title. The thing is, though, is you don't have to wait till everybody gets in the match to get the chip. You can win at any time. So, in theory, technically, and it won't happen. The first two guys can start, and somebody can win before anybody else gets in. Now, are they going to carry around the giant casino chip while they're at the number one contender? I hope so, and I hope that they fucking waffle people with it all the time. Yeah, what well, if it breaks over somebody's head? Then what happens? Well, maybe it's going to be like a fucking animantium chip, dude. It'll be like indestructible. Mm. Tony Khan got that money. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so I got to make sure. Because, I mean, uh, I would say if the thing was destroyed, then you would probably lose your title shot. Would be my guess. Fair enough. you got to be able to check, uh, cash it in, right? It's like if you have the main bank briefcase, if you lose a briefcase, then you can't get a title shot. Same deal with the chip, I would think. You would think so. Hikaru Shida is interviewed about earning her title shot. Nyla Rose arrived, she congratulated her, and she said, Oh, you know what? I found something you lost. And then she fucking hit her over the head with a kendo stick, and before she yeah. left, even threw in, Found your kendo stick, bitch. That's right. 
Nyla just doing it. I mean, that's Nyla just being a nice person and finding things for people. She, she returned her property. I mean, the, the verbiage wasn't very polite, but I mean, she did return <laughs> what belonged to her. That's right. So, I mean, you got to give her an A for effort on that. Uh, I, I would as well. And uh, I would also not want to cross Nyla Rose of the Kinder Stick. That'd be a bad time. Next up, Steve, we had MJF making his long-awaited return. He is finally all healed up and ready to go. Facing off nice. with young Lee Johnson, who has been on Dynamite and Dark the past few weeks. And, uh, well, Steve, MJF doesn't get paid by the hour. No, he doesn't. He defeated Lee Johnson at 245 with the Salt of the Earth submission. And, um, I, I know it's kind of, it'll be seem lackadaisical to say, Steve, but, uh, this is one of those matches. It was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. Uh, what else would you have expected? And it, it was amazing, quite frankly, with all the injuries that MJF had suffered, with all he's gone through, quite frankly, to for him make this kind of comeback. And it looked like he had not lost a step, quite frankly. Looked in prime form. Frankly, I mean, he might have been better than he was before, quite honestly. It was I would go as far impressive. to say he looked spry in there. He was looking, he, I mean, amazing. He's looking good to go. I feel bad for Jungle Boy coming up in this pay-per-view because MJF looks like he's on top of his game. And, uh... Poor old Lee Johnson, the former punter for the Bengals, kind of got the uh, bad end of the stick there. He tried hard, but yes, he uh, he got destroyed. So MJF got on the mic, mocked his opponent, and said for next week he was looking for a warm-up match for the pay-per-view. Noticed yeah. Marco Stunt had an open contract, so he is going to beat his ass ahead of the pay-per-view match with the Jungle Boy next week. Well, awful nice of MJF to get Marco Stunt that dying in my paycheck. I know, yeah. I mean, Again, Steve, I mean, he's he's a good dude. He's he's totally misunderstood. Solid of the earth, absolutely. He's thinking of other people, and, uh, you know, and he'll be thinking of other people when he kills Marcus Stunt next week. Well, we'll be very happy. Fair enough. So next up was the long-awaited Chris Jericho versus Pineapple Pete battle. Yeah, this has been some build going to this stuff here. And the inner circle were all at ringside for Jericho, and you have to absolutely fucking love Jericho. Coming out wearing a Pineapple Pete shirt and having the whole inner circle with him like Pineapple Pete is a giant threat. That's right. So the match starts, the bell rings, Jericho slaps Pineapple Pete, which was a mistake for about 30 seconds because Pineapple Pete fired up. He runs wild on Jericho. He looks like he has everything in control. And then he ran into the Judas effect and got fucking pinned in a minute. Yeah. And uh, just like the last match, that's... Uh, exactly what that should have been. It was fun. Again, Jericho is out there being an overconfident asshole. He slaps him. Pineapple Pete gets 30 seconds to come up as for Jericho treating him like shit for the past five weeks. And then he gets ended. Exactly well, let's be honest. Be. Uh, Pineapple Pete kind of started shit last week. Well, he did start shit last week, but Jericho did start it on commentary. It was his payback. But Jericho, in the end, obviously won out because he knocked him the fuck out. Well, you know, that's what happens when you uh, when you mess with the champion. So this led to promo time with Chris Jericho. Said he wanted to address his feud with the elite, if they even still exist, because Adam Page question. is yeah, Adam Page is off in the woods. The young bucks hat are still at home. The inner circle are fair and honorable men, and um, he's going to allow them to get their shit together. Um. The inner circle will, um, they're going to act on things. They're going to write history. And they have created a new match, Steve, called the Stadium Stampede Match. Yes. And Jericho said, if you loved last week's street fight, you're going to love it inside an 80,000 seat football stadium. 
That's right. And they, a lot of room to play with. They made this challenge for the pay-per-view, which led to Vanguard run, one arriving. He had his little inner circle shirt that uh, he stole from Chris Jericho. Yeah. And again, Chris Jericho is probably the only person that could promo on a fucking drone and make it work. He's promoing on Vanguard 1. They all circle Vanguard 1, who accepts the challenge on behalf of the Elite. Jericho asks him if he still wants in the Inner Circle, but basically it's a trap, and he fucking destroys him with a baseball bat. The Inner Circle lay the boots to what is left of Vanguard 1. Jake Hager lays the little baby shirt on top of him. We gotta point out it's Floyd the baseball bat. We gotta point that out. Yes. And, um... So Matt Hardy ends up arriving. They all leave, and he cradles the the uh, shattered remains of poor Vanguard One. I gotta tell you, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of Chris Jericho in the inner circle and miss things they do, but uh, I think they might cross the line there. Quite honestly, I mean, they might have gone a little too far with that unprovoked attack on uh, poor sweet Vanguard One. Oh, it was dastardly. Poor little drone never done anything to anybody. Never hurt anybody. But, they just better uh, hope Matt Hardy doesn't have like fucking robot technology and some big ass fucking robot joins the brawl at the Well, you know who does. You know, if anybody in pro wrestling has that kind of technology, it's probably Matt Hardy. Probably. So. Yeah, so they might be in trouble. Have a giant drone attack the football stadium? There's, there's an idea. Like a big old Megazord or something like Power there, Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe these elite guys could like get in a little like, uh, like the Power Rangers used to, they'd each get in little individual vehicles. They'd all link up. They'd form a Megazord. And, like, the Megazord could, like, stomp around the football stadium. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, if we know anybody who has the money for it, it's probably Tony Khan. So. Tony Khan. I'm sure Matt Hardy probably has all designs laid out, too. Yeah. So, Steve, set for next week's show is Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy, as Orange Cassidy looks for revenge after getting his face kicked off. Yeah, good luck with that. MJF versus poor Marco Stunt. And yeah. an Arn Anderson, Jake Roberts interview segment. Uh, you know what? That's, uh, I was going to ask you, Have how many times have Arn Anderson and Jake the Snake actually crossed paths in the past? I mean, because it doesn't feel like... The only couple times like, I could think of Yeah, it that doesn't feel like many at all. Would have been, I mean, when Arn was in WWF back with the Brain Busters, Jake was not in the acting division. I don't remember him crossing paths there. And then when Jake was in the for that cup of coffee, they were both heels. And I don't remember them crossing paths there either. Yeah, that will be interesting. We also have Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara playing off the tag match from earlier in the show. And uh, John... Sammy might not be in good enough shape for that. I got to tell you, Sammy wasn't looking too good out there. He looked rough. So then we also have John Moxley versus Ten from the Dark Order. Ah, Ten has uh, been getting a little bit of push on the dark and whatnot and uh, getting put over for his uh, physique, which uh, Mr. Birdie Lee is a big fan of. That's right. So also now set for the pay-per-view added this week is... The sta- the stadium stampede with the elite versus the inner circle. Um, see Britt Baker versus uh, Chris Statlander, Private Party versus the best friends in a number one contenders match, as well as Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose in what is now not only a title match but it's a no DQ no countout match. Oh boy! So that's going to get a little violent after that kendo shot attack. And also announced, Steve, the big news. Iron Mike Tyson will be at the pay-per-view to present the TNT championship to the winner. Yeah. How about that? Uh, AEW kind of bearing the lead on that one. They kind of uh, slipped that in under the radar there. AEW outscooped fucking Court Bauer and MLW who are trying to get in on that Mike Tyson stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, I mean, my first reaction, honestly, I, I would think that like in 2020, 
Mike Tyson at this point. I mean, my natural reaction would be like, do people still really care about Mike Tyson 2020? But then, like, earlier this week, I remember listening to some sports talk radio, and they're all excited about Mike Tyson trying possibly making a boxing comeback at 53 years old. So I guess the answer to my question is, yes, people still care about Mike Tyson. It's one of those things that, like, you wouldn't necessarily think about it as, you know, as him still having any importance. But I think that it's just one of those situations where there's kind of an audience for everything to a point. And I think people, I don't know if they want to see Mike Tyson in the wrestling ring, but I mean, I think people want to see Mike Tyson to some degree. Sure. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll find out how much interest it grabs them. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those things that's kind of worth a shot, and we know Mike Tyson is a big pro wrestling fan too. Like you know, legit pro wrestling fan. Like he's like Bruno Sammartino is his favorite wrestler back in the day. Yeah, and Cold Stone. Cold Stone, that's right. Big fan of the ice cream. Cold Stone, Steve Austin. I I kind of wonder what the old Degeneration Next thinks about all this. Triple H must feel just totally hey, betrayed. Triple H can't be happy. <laughs> he, uh, I, I, as a shoot, he probably wasn't happy when he heard about that one. Probably not. <laughs> um, so, Steve, our main event of the evening was the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, the self-proclaimed AEW world champion. Dosh had to get it right after a couple corrections there. Versus Christopher Daniels of SCU. Um, a good match to make simply for the fact that Christopher Daniels kept doubting there was an exalted one. There was yeah. an exalted one. Daniels has a name. He's a good worker. And Brody Lee has that title shot, so you want to get him another win ahead of that pay-per-view. They worked about 1240, Steve. As you would expect, the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, did pick up the win here. And um, what did you think of the main event? I mean, I was kind of wondering, to be honest with you, and you kind of have to wonder, you know, being the top contender to the title and whatnot, did Brody Lee give Chris Daniels a little too much? But at the same time, I figure that Brody Lee has a lot of respect for Chris Daniels. I think Mr. Brody Lee respects Daniels, even if Daniels doesn't believe in him. I think there's that certain amount of respect for his contributions to the business. So obviously Brody Lee's going to give Daniels a lot of time and, you know, do some good work with him. And Daniels had a pretty good showing out there for all of, uh, what is he, 62 at this point? Uh, something like that. Yeah, he's a, he's a little up there in the age and whatnot, but he had a nice little showing out there. Gave Brody Lee a good little fight. But at the end of the day, you had the figure that uh, the big man, Mr. Brody, is going to go over. And we saw some SCU and Dark Order uh, shenanigans and whatnot. And, uh, you know, sure enough, afterwards we saw the actual champion come out too. Yeah, and real quick on the match, I, I thought it was good. Um, the thing about the match I liked is it was just two veterans putting on a good competitive match. And the thing is, people were like, Brody Lee hasn't faced anybody with a name. He's only faced a bunch of geeks in Marco Stunt. Well, now he's faced Christopher Daniels, who is there a respected go. veteran who has done good in the company, and he beat him. So there you go. I, you know, It wasn't like a light my world on fire main event. I mean, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Brady Lee winning is obviously the right call. And then, as you mentioned, um, John Moxley arrived. Um, he starts killing all the geeks. Brody Lee starts throwing all the geeks at him as he decides to, to leave with the championship. Him and Ten, his boy. You know, and you know what's what's notable about the Ten character is Ten is the only Dark Order quote unquote minion outside of Uno and Grayson who have been allowed to win. Yeah, because every other time there's been a geek involved, they get killed. 
So they they apparently see something. I think his name is like Preston Vance. They apparently Sounds see right. something yeah. in the uh, in the young man, and I mean that's it's interesting. It's nice. It and you know what? They need somebody else right now without uh, Grayson and they um, Evil Uno being around. Are they still up in? Are they up in Canada? I think so. So I mean, because we don't know when they're coming back. So you need to do something, and I think it's worked out well. But yeah, Moxley ran wild, killed all the geeks. Said um, he's not going to be disrespected. Mr. Brody Lee has made the mistake. One he's going to pay for with interest. And on May 23rd, there's going to be a hailstorm of violence. And Mr. Lee will find that his AEW career may be over before it even started. Well, we'll have to see about all that. But uh, it it kind of reminds me where uh, back in the day, back in the old CZW days of Mr. Moxley, he had a random CZW title defense against uh, Mr. Brody Lee. And that was, uh, it was a match that a lot of people were looking forward to, but uh, for whatever reason, it didn't it didn't quite gel. It, they didn't quite work too well together, but uh, uh, perhaps things have changed since then. I think they have, because honestly, I mean, when you think about it, both guys have gotten a lot better since then. And then the other thing is, Moxley has been working like he has a chip on his shoulder. You know Brody Lee wants to shove it up a bunch of people's ass, you yeah. know, and prove that he can go. And again, I'm not going to sit there and claim it's going to be like a must-see match of the year contender, but I think that they will have probably a really good match. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see what Brody Lee does given that first big chance because we didn't think he'd be getting this chance this early. And it's kind of due to the conditions because they have other plans with Jericho, which would have been a natural match. A lot of people thought MJF was next, but you can't rush that title program for him yet. Yeah. And I, I think Brody Lee right now is, is an interesting challenger, at least. And we'll see. We're going to find out what he has, Steve, because he's getting the chance. Well, he, and he has the belt, too. And as we all know, possession is nine-tenths of the law. He does. I don't think he wants to give it back. And Dasha did say he was the self-proclaimed champion. This is correct, Steve. Yeah. And so, whatever Dasha says, I go along with. Th- I mean, I tend not to disagree with that because... I don't think she's ever said anything incorrect in her life. Not that I know of. So that is going to bring us, Steve, to NXT, also for May 13th, 2020. We started off with the Tag Team Championship match that was set up last week. And in our match, Imperium defeated Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher when that dastardly Timothy Thatcher walked out on Matt Riddle, although nobody saw that coming. You know what? I'm going to have to disagree with you right away calling Timothy Thatcher dastardly because, let's be honest, can anybody blame Timothy Thatcher for not being able to put up with, for, with Matt Riddle for more than a couple of weeks? Fair enough. And Riddle is kind of a he's kind of a, he's a weird guy, let's be honest. I know some people out there think he's a cool cat and just uh, the cat's meow and all those other cat phrases you want to throw out there, but uh, I got to tell you, people like Matt Riddle are not really people I tend to trust. And I think Timothy Thatcher's kind of that same boat. So I think Pete Dunn made a pretty bad choice of uh, of Matt Riddle's partner. Or maybe, maybe this is Pete Dunn's intention all along. What do you think? I don't know. Um, it's uh, you That's can call Peter Dunn's um, you know decision making skills into question for sure. But um, yeah, was was that? Did he know that Timothy Thatcher was going to do that? So a little something that might come to play later on. Are you saying Pete Dunn secretly hated Matt Riddle and wanted him to get his ass beat? Would you be surprised? Well, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, okay, so 
the match goes a little over 11 minutes. I thought at the end of the day, it was a solid piece of business. It started off really strong, I thought, but then it just, with the angle with Thatcher walking out, it kind of faded for me. And I really like the Imperium guys, so for me to not be overly thrilled with the finish says a lot, I think. I am happy for them, though, because they really should have been NXT Tag Champions a while back. But for whatever fucking reason, they left them on Gallus. So it's yeah. like, um, I'm really happy for those guys, and it'll be good to see what they can do here. And um, yeah, I mean, the um, I think we all saw the breakup coming, and um, that was solidified post-match when Tim Thatcher said he, um, he wants to be a champion, but not with Riddle, because he's not about flip-flops and game shows, and they brawled backstage. Which is uh, perfectly fine. I thought the, uh, you know, I mean, maybe the mat, maybe the angle took a little bit away from the match, but uh, I didn't think that's a problem. I thought the right team won, and you kind of uh, lead into the Riddle and Thatcher stuff, and it worked fine for me. I am also going to say that I am not about flip flops or game shows either, because flip flops fucking suck. Flip flops uh, can be annoying from time to time. I'll be honest with you, but I mean, during the summer months, I'm all about them. Do you know why flip flops sucks? Flip flops suck, Steve. Why is that? They don't stay on well when you have one toe and your other foot's a prosthetic foot that doesn't have toes built into it. I'm sure that's an issue for you. I so. wish it was warm enough to wear flip flops right now. To be honest with you, I'm still wearing my goddamn slippers over here. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So next up, Steve, we had the ladies in action: Tegan Knox battling impressive Indy Hartwell. They got just over three minutes, and uh, Lady Kane, Tegan Knox picked up the win. And uh, what did you think? Well, it's good to see Indy Hartwell isn't dead after the last time we saw her. <laughs> I believe, it? was it Shane who killed her last time? Yeah. Yeah, so it's good to see that she's doing all right. That's, <laughs> that's all you can say about that. But uh, a nice little easy win for Tegan, get her, get her going in title contention and whatnot. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. I thought it was a nice quick win for Tegan. Perfectly enjoyable for the short time they were given. And again, this is a match that should have been short. Didn't need to be long. Nope. We got a clip of the recent issues between Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte. Um, that led to comments from Rhea. Said she's sickened by Charlotte walking around with her title. Io couldn't get the job done. And she's going to be the one to bring the title back home. Even if she has to beat uh, that into Rhea. Or Io, sorry. Well, well, I don't know why Rhea Ripley's so sickened about Charlotte walking around with her title belt because, I mean, Charlotte beat her fair and square. Yeah. I mean, you're so not I don't wrong, know what, but... What complaint does she have? So, I'm still waiting for Rhea to get back from Australia, though. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. I mean, it's kind of weird how they managed to... They, I guess they computer-generate her onto the show somehow. Yeah. Well, after last week when I brought it up, someone's like... Well, she probably didn't have to go back because of the situation. They probably just did it through the mail. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't quite think the visa thing works that easily. But not, maybe, no, not in this country. It doesn't. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but er, good lord, I mean, yeah, I, not to pile on the postal service or whatnot, but uh, the, once we start doing these mail-in things for elections, and whatnot, uh, I don't know. There's. There might be some issues there, is all I'm saying. Slightly problematic, you think? Maybe, possibly. But, uh, no, I think Rhea... Uh, I, I still... But if people are still wondering if Rhea is over in Australia, or if she's in America or whatnot, if people aren't sure, 
I have offered that uh, if Rhea wants to prove that she's an American, she can always just uh, stop on by the Cook residence. Well, she is an American because she was on the show last week. I still think people are wondering, Larry. I know, but I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that you are like the great Bobby the Brain Heenan, an investigative journalist, and you're trying to figure this out for us. Trying to help the people out. That's what I do around here. So William Regal via like video or whatever booked Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher for later tonight. Where is William Regal at this? Is William Regal still in America? He's staying the fuck away from the Performance Center, brothers. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. He's hanging out with his lizards in his house and just... <laughs> probably watching some old Johnny Saint matches and throwing a few beers back. Yeah, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's right. So the Cruiserweights were back for the interim Cruiserweight tournament. We had Jake Atlas defeating Tony Nese in five minutes. Yeah, your boy Tony went down to 0-3. Yeah, poor Tony. Had a rough go of this tournament. Yeah, we can't do. So I thought they had a short and solid match. They got a little more time than last week, and uh, Atlas picked up the win over a former champion, which is good for him. Yeah, the old Rainbow DDT, they got it. I guess. Yeah. Is that what they called it? I didn't even... That's notice. what Mario called it. Okay. I don't know if that means... I don't know if there's anything wrong with that or not, but that's what they called it. But, uh, yeah, your boy Tony Nese have a pretty uh, tough struggle throughout this tournament. Well, the problem is Tony's not getting reps without doing episodes of 205 Live. He's he's coming into the tournament cold. Well, you know, that's why you, you're in the Performance Center, right? you got to be able to nut up and... Uh, get things done i was actually uh somebody asked me whether the uh, do, uh, do you think the performance center are they still doing their regular classes and whatnot there i don't think so you don't think they're just uh they're doing the regular classes while enforcing social distancing uh-huh. wink wink locking up from six feet away yeah yeah so i have no clue honestly i i wouldn't be surprised if they're doing something i don't think they are though but it's it's hard to tell, Steve. I wouldn't put it past them. Well, well. <clears throat> have to ask our sources. So we got an undisputed era segment with Adam Cole talking to Kyle O'Reilly via like FaceTime or whatever, and apparently Kyle's been away because he's shooting a movie. Kyle O'Reilly in a movie, obviously. So Bobby... I gotta tell you, that's not what I'm gonna rush to see. <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, they, you know, uh, Bobby Fish eventually joined them along with Roddy. They yeah. were bragging about embarrassing Velveteen Dream last week. They made fun of Dexter Loomis, and apparently, uh, Roddy is going to be the one to take care of Dexter Loomis. And let's hope well, that's he does. what they all what they all decided. And somebody needs to, for God's sakes. I don't. Uh, I know you're probably with me on that. Somebody needs to take care of that guy. All I'm going to say is this: if Dexter Loomis can't have a good fucking match with Roddy Strong, cut him. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. If you can't have at least the three-star match with Roddy Strong, you might as well cut bait on that. Seriously, I mean, it's Roddy fucking Strong. If you can't have a good match with that dude, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we got a carrying cross Scarlet vignette talking about how they're not here to shock the system or to be a savior. They are the entertainment. Tommaso Ciampa was the first, but he's certainly not the last. And It was a nicely produced little video package. They even used the end is near. The entertainment? Yeah, sure. I guess. Sure. I got nothing. <laughs> it was fine. Get a video yeah. package on Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, basically talking about why Dakota is so bitter and she cared about people too much, which led to her having to get mentally tougher, her turn on Tegan Knox, 
at War Games and how Raquel helped her out and that she's the only woman that she can trust. Another nicely done little video package. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if that remains where she is, in fact, the woman that she can trust. We hope so, but... One never knows. Isaiah Scott cut a promo about the tournament, said if he loses tonight, he's out. Said his confidence is high, he feels untouchable, and he will beat Jack Gallagher and protect his house. I gotta tell you, with his standing in the tournament, I'm not sure I'd be talking talking about being my house. Yeah. Kind of struggling. So, in what was probably the best thing done on this show, we got an announcement. DX revealed that after cel- that we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the In Your House shows. So on June 7th, NXT will deliver TakeOver In Your House. You know, I was not really... Uh, I got to tell you, when I heard about the big announcement from Shawn Michaels and Triple H, I knew, like, oh, okay, they're going to bite off the big announcement from Becky Lynch now because I guess I might have drawn something of a rating. So now you have a big announcement for every show, and I expect it to be a letdown. But no, In Your House being coming back is pretty cool. I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I think that's a neat idea, and we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. And it's, it's nice to know that we'll have a, a takeover coming back, which hopefully means this show will get some direction. Yeah, well, that's a, that's another thing about it too. Is definitely you can tell with the lack of uh, you know a proper takeover at WrestleMania. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, wheel spinning going on here, all over the place. Little bit. So next up, Steve, your close personal best friend Cameron Grimes faced off with Finn Balor. Yeah, they worked almost ten minutes, and they were having a really good match. And uh, Damian Priest arrived. And he ended up hitting Finn Balor with the nightstick, allowing Cameron Grimes to pin Finn Balor with the cave in. And before, and then post match, this led to Damian Priest laying Finn Balor out with the reckoning onto a chair, and revealing that it was him all along that attacked him a few weeks ago. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. So I liked the match. I thought it was good. I thought they had a nice, aggressive style compared to everything else on the show. And we finally got the reveal of the attacker. And no offense, I loved Punishment Martinez. I think Damian Priest is a nice dude. Not exactly excited about him feeding with Finn Balor. I just don't know why. Well, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. This is going on at the same time as the MJF squash match. And I said over on Twitter that I was was more emotionally vested in, in the MJF squash match than I was with... You know, all these, all three of these guys, Finn Balor, uh, with Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes, it's all 50 50, you know, this, that, the other thing. It's just all guys just kind of spinning their wheels and guys that uh, I can't really be bothered to care about right now. I'd rather see something short and sweet of somebody I care about than just guys filling time. And whether the action is fine or not, it's still just guys that are just there to me. Yeah, and which is sad for especially for Finn Balor because well you know Finn wasn't doing anything on the main roster so we're gonna send him back down to NXT and he's gonna recapture his magic and be a big deal again and that has not happened at all whatsoever. It really hasn't, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And before I get to the next match, I just want to illustrate how much WWE does not care about the cruiserweights because Steve, do you realize? Something like 63 days ago, Raul Mendoza was fucking abducted in the Performance Center parking lot. Oh, yeah, that guy. And we have no update on him. We have, we've gotten, are the police even looking for him? 
And Joaquin Wilde was fucking kidnapped after that. Are these guys oh, yeah. dead? You know, Fur Police has other things to worry about right now. Let's be honest. Well, goddamn, they they need to worry about my cruiserweights. They're gone. <laughs> they would be riding the thick of the interim cruiserweight title tournament. So, so carrying on with not caring about the cruiserweights, Jack Gallagher and Isaiah Scott in the uh, interim title tournament match. These guys are really good. So, hey, let's give them three and a half minutes. Yeah, that's bad what they get. No, that's exactly what they got. Yeah. I timed these things, Steve. Okay. Jack well, Gallagher good. ended up winning via knockout. And I want to say this, man. I mean, they tried really hard. For the time they got. But, I mean, they just didn't have the time to do anything. And after the show was over, all I could think of is it needed more time like the matches last week. I didn't need to see fucking Aaliyah lose. I didn't need to see dinner with the fucking Garganos. I wanted (laughs) some match time because these matches are supposed to be, and I'm using fucking air quotes and you can't see me, important. But it's short I mean, and the, in this case, it works because there was a pre-match attack by Tony Nese. But yeah, the fact is, but the fact is, for two weeks now, they've shortened all these matches, and they've been lucky to average three and a half minutes a, a match over the past two weeks. How in the hell am I supposed to care about this tournament now when they don't give me? You're time? not supposed to. I hate to say that. I hate to say that's the answer, but the answer is you're not supposed to. And that's a shame. Listen, I didn't I didn't have any grand delusions that this was going to be a best of Super Juniors. But the fact is, I'm not getting a best of Super Juniors. So I was mildly excited for a little round-robin tournament with some fun performers. And I'm just not getting it. Uh, I'd rather see Jushin Liger hanging around his house and eating some food. Yeah. I think Jushin Liger... I think Dinner of Liger would be better than Dinner of the Garganos. Goddamn right it would be, but... No doubt about that. So, next up, Caden Carter facing off with Aaliyah. And Steve, if you remember, they did a big angle last <laughs> week where they teased Aaliyah joining the Robert Stone brand after costing Zia Lee her Yeah, that big 30-second angle. I remember that. That's yeah. right. Big angle, Steve. So, <laughs> of course here, they worked a sub-three-minute match because it's very important. And Aaliyah obviously picked up... Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. No. no Aaliyah fucking lost clean in two minutes and 50 seconds via submission. She tapped the fuck out clean. And so basically the bottom line is they teased doing something with Aaliyah and then they had her lose the very next week. And this has been the story of Aaliyah's developmental career for the past five fucking years. Every time they tease doing something with her, she loses the next week and fucking disappears. And I have nothing against Aaliyah personally. I'm sure she's a fine person and whatnot, but for God's sakes, I, I, it's like, oh, she's been, it feels like she's been there for like 10 years, right? It does. Just hanging around forever and not doing much of anything. So you kind of wonder at some point with, and, you know, they let Rachel Ellering go. They let Deanna Peraza go. Let all these other people go. And yet, uh, Aaliyah's still hanging around and she's not even doing anything. She's doing the same thing she's been doing forever and ever with no sign of anything changing. I have no clue why they keep her around. And it does feel like she's been in developmental for like a decade. I mean, Angelo Dawkins and Wesley Blake are like, God damn, Aaliyah, you've been in developmental a long time. <laughs> and those were the two that were like the developmental lifers until they got called up. Yeah. So. I don't know. Well, Tyler Breeze, too. Well, no, but Tyler was there for a while, and then he got called up and obviously went back. But still, he, <laughs> he wasn't there. Is 
Dawkins and Wesley Blake had a long time in developmental to the point people thought they would never get called up. So they had a video package, Steve. It was dinner with the Garganos. Yeah, boy. And this felt like bad dinner theater, like death of a salesman at like a five ninety nine dinner special in Florida. I will say the funniest part was like the first lines when Johnny Gargano put over Candace for beating a ninja, Caden Carter, and then boasted about how he defeated the seven foot eight Dominic Dijakovic. Mm. I laughed well, he's at pretty that. Tall. I did laugh at that, and then it was just weird. We got clips of him beating Dijakovic, and then um, Johnny talked about how he's taking Keith Lee to the limit. They did like a weird black and white video slow motion thing, and it's just it was just a bunch of fucking weird verbiage and I don't know it just didn't really do anything for me. So obviously they're they're teasing Mia Yim versus uh, Candice LeRae out of this because um, Candice was upset that Mia got a chance at Charlotte. Johnny Gargano basically said he's going after Keith Lee, and I guess that's all well and good, but. God damn, this was just fucking weird and did nothing for me. What did Candace do to earn a shag in Charlotte Flair? Well, obviously she's Candace LeRae. That's all she feels she needs, Steve. <laughs> Doesn't you have to win a match or something at some point? Possibly? Maybe? I don't know. I, uh, who am I kidding? Yeah. Who the hell knows what you gotta do to earn a towel shot? Fair enough. But what did you, you think of this up. whole whatever? Uh, it was it was uh, nothing. I thought nothing. I, I saw nothing of it. I mean, you know, we we know at this point that Johnny uh, Johnny Gargano is what he is. He's a perfectly competent pro wrestler. He's uh, very good at that aspect of the game, and he's never been really good at the other aspects of the game. And I don't think they'll ever change. The sad part about that is, is I've actually seen Johnny Gargano be a great heel, and they're leaning into nothing that made him such a great heel in this incarnation of him in WWE. Now. I will say that Johnny and Candace showed more chemistry in Seth and Becky. Well, that's not hard. <laughs> I will say that for them. But other than that, yeah, it was, a, it was a waste of time. I do think, like, and this has nothing to do with this, and I didn't hold it against the show, but it is really funny them trying to present the Garganos as this dastardly duo when they're a bunch of Disneyland-loving, Disney movie-loving pet owners. Yeah. All over social media. It's like they're like the cutest fucking couple in the world, despite the fact that they're Cleveland Brown fans. So See, that's a, a thing. See, there you go. I mean, if they, they could lean more into their Cleveland Brown fandom. And, uh, you know, I mean, cute people can be pretty annoying. You know that. This is true. If we're all cutesy and we love our Pluto the dog and our Goofy and whatnot, you know, that can get real annoying real quick. I'm just saying. This is true. I'm still annoyed at the fact that Pluto gets fucking relegated as just a regular dog while Goofy's allowed to wear pants and drive a fucking car and have a job. I, that's Nobody's ever properly answered that question. Like, why does Goofy talk and walk around and Pluto doesn't? I know. Pluto's Stop being that. held back by the man. Apparently. Ass. So, Steve, <laughs> next week we're getting Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, which certainly has possibilities. Sure. And then we get uh, the two cruiserweight matches, which are Kushida and Drake Maverick and Akira Tozawa versus El Hijo del Fantasma. Which will each get about three and a half minutes. Yes, which I was going to say, in theory, could be good matches if they get more than three or five minutes. 
which is going to be the annoying thing. And I'm sure Akira Tozawa is going to come into this show red fucking hot after losing on Raw again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they'll, they'll probably job now next Monday, too, because apparently nobody can job on Raw except for Akira Tozawa. I, I don't know what it is. There's they don't like, have anybody else there, I guess. Cal Bloom is too fucking busy in catering. Well, apparently so. Got to have the little Asian dude do the job, despite the fact that he's in a tournament. That's right. And not to mention, he, didn't he job like, to an entire faction that's already fighting with each other a couple weeks after they formed? Like, we're already trying to break up the Zelina Vegas group. I'm sure it's just fine, Steve. It's uh, You're overthinking <laughs> it. WWE yeah. Raw is a great show. I've been told this. Well, I mean, uh, somebody's got to say that. I yeah, I mean, I don't believe it. I thought Raw was bad this week. And boy, yeah, did I, I was, hear about it. I got to tell you, I mean, I thought it was okay for two hours I watched it, but once I hit the two-hour mark, it's like, oh, I'm done. Time for bed. Okay, no offense. You're not allowed to judge that, and you didn't check out the whole three hours. Okay. <laughs> anyway the main event of the evening is matt riddle battling timothy thatcher damn they went to that pretty quick and i i actually <laughs> was going to talk about that but matt riddle ends up defeating timothy thatcher he counters him into a cradle for the win as they were doing submission stuff i thought it was good i thought they worked you know these guys have worked together in the past so they do have a good chemistry and stylistically they match up very well because how they like to work the thing I did not like about this at all is that they jumped right to the singles match on the same show as the turn. Why are we booking two, three, four weeks of shit into one show? Uh, because Vince Russo is writing this week, apparently. I mean, you know what? I mean, you had a couple, you know, you had a couple three-minute cruiserweight matches. You had some horrible dinner theater production. Are you sure that Vince Russo didn't book this? I joked about that last week too, Steve. Fucking short matches and all that shit going on. It's like there you have it. So Timothy Thatcher Damn. was obviously a sore loser after the match, so he armbarred the shit out of Matt Riddle and tortured him. And a bad night for Matthew Riddle. Yeah, I mean he he went one for one now. I mean Thatcher went over two. This is true. That, he got zero trips to the pay window, if you will. Fair enough, Steve. So. That is NXT for the evening, and that is going to bring us to the old head-to-head comparison for the week, Steve. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I mean, NXT had a couple high points, had a couple solid matches and whatnot, but uh, the thing thing they're still lacking for me for the most part is things to care about. I mentioned during the show about how you know, you had this nice long match of Cameron Grimes and Finn Balor, who were perfectly fine workers. I have no issue with them in, in that regard. But I don't particularly care about either one right now. And I'd rather watch an MJF squash match the last two minutes and at least have somebody I care about. And AEW had more stuff going on with, uh, you know, you had the Cody Lance Archer angle. You had uh, Jericho beating the crap out of Vanguard 1, for God's sakes. is kind of crazy. He had some good tag action, had a nice little main event with Brody Lee Christopher Daniels. So it's going to sound like a broken record, as I typically do on this show. But uh, I think uh, it wasn't the best AEW Dynamite show of all time, but it was uh, it was good enough. It was uh, entertaining enough for me. And NXT is still kind of spinning their wheels. And hopefully now they have a takeover here coming up uh, pretty soonish. Maybe they'll find some kind of direction. Or maybe I, I, Vince Russo is not a fan of direction. 
I, I really hope you're correct, Steve. What's really weird, and I talked about this with Kevin over the weekend and when we did the Money in the Bank show, we kind of did a state of NXT talk, and it's a lot of the stuff you and I have talked about at times, too, but I wanted to talk with Kevin about it because he reviews it as well, and he's had a lot of the similar thoughts. It's really weird because I have people telling me every week that NXT is like a really bad show. And then I have people telling me that NXT is the greatest weekly show on TV. And the fact is, it's neither of those. NXT is a fine show. There was, like this week, there's some good wrestling. But the cruiserweights got boned again. They've made me not care about that tournament. It's The thing is, is while it's fine, it feels like it's missing something for me. And it's not doing anything to make me excited about the next week. Like, why would I be excited about the Cruiserweight matches next week when they've been screwed the past two weeks on time? Why would I be really energetic and overexcited for EO versus Rio when Charlotte's probably going to get involved to set up a triple threaded in your house? You know what I mean? So it's like, they're not doing a lot. It's not a bad show. It's fine. I don't hate it when I'm done watching. It doesn't anger me like Raw. But in comparison, I'm looking at Dynamite tonight, Steve, and I thought it was a good, really good, energetic show. I thought it was entertaining. I think they played off of last week very well. I thought they built to next week well. I thought they had strong additions to the pay-per-view. It's an easy watch. All the matches that needed time got the time that they needed but didn't overstay their welcome. You know, the MJF thing, again, exactly what it needed to be. And to me, it feels like they're delivering simple, effective, and well-executed TV and that they're peaking ahead of the pay-per-view. And for me, it was an easy win again for AEW. And I know, here here comes the Tony Khan jokes, right? But um, I, I'm sorry. I just want a good, simply composed wrestling show that makes sense. And again, NXT isn't bad, but it's not doing that for me. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, and... Like we said, hopefully now that they have a date to build towards to, because I think that whenever the show has something they're building towards to, it it tends to make things flow a lot better. And maybe that helps. And I do like the In Your House brand name. So, I mean, I, I do mark out for that. But, yeah, they definitely need something because right now there's just a lot of stuff going on there that's just uh, stuff, for lack of a better term. That's right. And I agree, Stephen. That's unfortunate. So hopefully the In Your House uh, slash takeover event will give them that needed focus and that everything will start working out because when NXT does focus on like building to those shows, they tend to put on really good and strong TV and they put on, and again, it's more that it's basic and focused TV that all makes sense because it's building to something. Hopefully that'll be the case. Hopefully they can get that locked in. I'm hoping it starts next week. Don't know if it will, but we can hope Steve. We can always hope. So that is going to wrap Steve and I up for tonight. I want to give a little preview for the weekend on Sunday. I'm going to be posting a show with Kevin Pantoja. We're going retro. We're going to be looking back, Steve, at Ultima Lucha Dose, all, mm. all three nights of Ultima Lucha Dose, and start our look back at the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn events with the first of those shows. Ooh. So that is going to be this weekend, Sunday. And then, you know, Steve and I will be back next uh, Wednesday slash Thursday. Steve and I are also continuing. We're, uh, we're pre-recording content. We're still working on more reviews of what are we reviewing, Steve? Tell the people. Clash of the Champions. That's not right. The, not the WF version either. We're talking about the WCW Clash of Champions. 
uh, we're we've uh, we've currently recorded through uh, Clash Six. That's right. So next we'll be doing seven, eight, and I'm I'm just waiting until we come up on the Ding Dongs because I know the Ding Dongs are one of the uh, <laughs> one of the highlights of wrestling television of all time, and I cannot wait to talk about Ding Dongs. Fair enough. So. But yeah, Steve and I are still, we're, we're recording that stuff. It'll be running, you know, a lot of uh, retro stuff we like to run on the weekends, sometimes sparse it into the Wednesday shows. But um, it's all upcoming. And like I said, we've already posted one through three. We've recorded four through seven, or four through six, sorry. And uh, we're going to be doing, uh, yeah, seven and eight this weekend for sure. We'll be pre-recording those. So we'll, um, those will be coming up. And again, like I said, if you guys have suggestions, we are happy to take them. But that's going to wrap us up for tonight, Steve. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Stay safe, everybody, and happy wrestling. <laughs>